Hey, my friend, welcome to the Living a Better Story podcast. You know, sometimes we call this podcast an experience because all throughout the mass variety of amazing guests we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business growth numbers, forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. My name is Daryl Stinson, and I'm one of the content producers here. I trust that you're already living an amazing story, but whether you are or not, we are here to help you live a better one. The process is simple. No matter where you are in business or life, we are going to show you how to complete your past, tell the truth about your current reality, and empower you to live a better story. So as you hear stories that inspire you and information that can help you, please do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast, share with others, and let us hear about the goodness that's happening in your life. All right, my friend, that's all for now. Go enjoy the episodes and get ready to swing open wide the door to unlimited opportunities. Hey, everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. Today, I'm with someone who's so cool. LaShonda Graves is from Chicago. She's known as the apartment lady, and probably for not the reasons that you would think. And so what she does is she's followed God's path for her to help people so that they don't get evicted from their apartment. And that's just one of the things that she's doing. We're going to dig deep into LaShonda's uh, background. We're going to understand a little bit more about kind of, you know, where she's come from, where she's headed and how God plays a role in her life. So LaShonda, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I'm happy to be here. And it's Lady LaShonda. Uh, I guess it's Lady LaShondra, the apartment lady. <laughs> the apartment lady, LaShondra. So that's that's outstanding. What's uh, what what's the weather like in Chicago this time of year? Very cold. Very cold. As a matter of fact, I put up a Ming and it was like, you know, it's cold outside when you go outside and it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm in Colorado and we're we're starting to get that part of the season okay. as well. So um, I like to ask this question and it's kind of been added recently. And that is if you were to ask your friends and family, um, what are, you know, what are the three things that do you think they would use? Like if they were to use words, what words would they use to describe you? Yeah. The apartment lady. <laughs> I like That's it. That's it. My three words. Those the apartment the lady. All right. That's perfect. Um, take me back to when you were younger. I've found that a lot of times we as people, when we're young and we're kind of the world hasn't yet influenced us, our passions are, are interesting. And if we can tap into that and then learn from that, you know, and we follow that kind of pathway in life people are a lot happier when they're following what they thought they would want to do when they were a kid. What, what did you love to do when you were a kid? What was your passion? Oh my gosh. When I was a kid, I would read the dictionary and write and write plays. That's what I like to do. And so I would read the dictionary. And then when I find a word that I really like, I would write a play around that word. I could remember, um, preposterous. I wrote speeches and plays around that word. And that's what I used to do. That is so neat. And what do you think, how does the, what you did then, does that relate to the kind of work that you're doing today? Yeah. Yeah. Because I wanted to be a teacher, a doctor, and a businesswoman, a successful business lady. And I became a professor. I had no idea it just happened. And then um, I'm a businesswoman. And now I realize that I can get a doctor's degree without being a medical doctor. Mm, wow. Amazing. It, it's, it is amazing how if we just kind of will things to happen and we follow God's will for our lives it kind of becomes frictionless yeah. when you just do what your what your assignment on planet earth is right yes. wow um so 
a lot of times we face challenges in life. I, I think of it uh, at the time, they're like a biggest mountain you've ever had to climb or go around. Or I also call it the buzzsaw moment. Like, oh man, this is so terrible. And then looking back, it ends up becoming a speed bump a lot of times. Is there one or, or a few of those instances in life where you were just like, man, this was so hard while I'm going through it. And then looking back, it actually became a gift for you. Well, you know, uh, I was, I was, a, I was in foster care. My mom is paranoid, schizophrenic. She had me at 17, had, and my brother, two brothers, they were stepchildren. So one, two, three. Um, and we were, our first time in foster care when we were eight, when I was eight years old, my brothers were seven and six. Because we were not in foster care, because my mom was abusive, it was just because she couldn't maintain stability and would, and she was dealing with that schizophrenia. And so we went to eight different grammar schools, three different high schools throughout our lives. Going to those high schools and those grammar schools, I I didn't like it at first because kids are mean. <laughs> I mean, you're in a high, you're in a grammar school, and these children have grown up together, and you're just thrust into their lives. They're kind of mean. I and so I had to deal with different cultures, different uh, income levels. Uh, different races as a kid but that kind of turned me into a chameleon and not only did it turn me into a chameleon it made it forced me to live life in the now and we often have blinders on and as we go through experiences levels of those blinders or layers come off and you see clearer and clearer. I was forced to see clearer right away because I went to all these different schools and so, and I was forced into these different cultures and environments. So I was forced to do that. I mean, I can remember as a teenager and I was trying to fit in, but I saw everything and I knew more than the other teenagers because I've been in so many different environments and I was just praying, God, please just let me, let me not see. I don't want to see. Just let me not see, put some blinders on so I could just be happy just for a minute. Today, I'm glad he didn't do that. Wow. That is such a neat experience. I think of our family moved across the country and I'm the father. So it's, you know, blame me. <laughs> like, and so my daughter at the last move, we were in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I remember telling them, Hey, good news. We're moving back to Colorado where I grew up and we get to be close to your grandparents and my, your aunt and uncle and the whole family. And they were like, uh, uh, you again. Cause it's like, you know, you, I, I grow roots and then you pluck me every time. And and so hearing you look back on it, because I think my daughter especially, my son, he plays in the virtual world online, and my daughter does now too. Um, so they keep some of their roots virtually, even though they're not physically in the same location. So I think it's changed a little bit in that uh, in that way. But you can't go running down the street and playing in the back, you know, in the backyard for a while. So it's um. It's interesting just being because it could be the opposite. And and other kids could say, you know, it's so lame. I had to stay in this small town America and I really hated it my whole life. Right. <laughs> so it's it's just it's it, it, it is fun just being in the maze and recognizing that that's the miracle is that we're alive. We get to meet other people yes. and and just follow the path that God has for you. So Really neat experience that you shared there. Um, and so how does it now, that superpower that you have, the ability to meet people and, and interact on a different level, how, how does that benefit you in the kind of work you do now? Oh, gosh, because I'm in social 
services, public administration, it benefits me greatly. I mean, at first I was deeply into social media marketing and I've been doing that for 14 years. So when, back when Facebook, because Facebook was the introduction to my social media marketing experience, I didn't really do MySpace. Um, I, I was in college and I was in all these different, um, uh, student organizations. When we did fundraisers, I became a fundraising genius because I would use my Facebook pages in the way that now business pages use Facebook. Uh, this was in 2007. I, I would pretty much create different Facebook pages, um, personal pages, and I have different audiences on those pages. So people that I grew up with, I consider, if I met you as a child, I consider, you know, and when we spent some time together, I consider them growing up because I didn't grow up with anyone, really. Uh, so I had them, and then I had uh, my professors and other students on one page, and then I had businesses, uh, contacts that I had made over uh, the years on another page. And so I would fundraise to those different businesses and use different content to those different pages. And um, that helped me uh, just being a chameleon or being a networking person or learning how to, knowing how to interact with other people that helped me with my content as far as marketing and so forth is concerned. Now with this apartment and housing rentals foundation that I started seven years ago, Oh my gosh, because we were able to become national in 2016 because I was able to deal with people from different states. Each different state is different. I mean, each state is different, sorry. Um, their needs are different, but I was able to meet them at their needs because of that. Wow. I love that kind of compartmentalizing the different pages like you talked about. It just gets my brain going on, huh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah, it's really super smart because, you know, you want to, you, it, it's being a chameleon and you don't want to offend certain people. So it's like, hey, this is my group of friends when I was younger. This is my group that are in business. And this is my group that are in this walk of life um, that all have different, unique, uh, you know, Thoughts and processes. So I think that's really amazing. Um, tell me about when God undeniably showed up for you in life. Uh, a friend of mine shared that question with me. And it's like, I love how he says undeniably, because there's times where you're like, well, I think God was there. And it just, it turns out what I find a lot of times is that it's in those hard moments when it's just a dark room and we're like, oh, it's so hard. And that's when, boom, that's when he shows up. But I'm curious for you, when did God undeniably show up? Oh, my gosh. I was eight years old. My mom, that was one of those years. We went to foster care at that time. And so right before that, my mom would always take us to church. We were in the, and she would join every church that she attend. If she walked past something or we're in the neighborhood, we would go to that church. We would go to each um, tent event because there were tents out um, at that time. And it was this one day, but we were homeless at, at that point and we were in the shelter. And we went to church my brother was, uh, my youngest brother was six. I was eight. <clears throat> and my middle brother was seven. Um, my mom had some money, but I, we knew that that was the money to eat. She put, she gave my youngest brother a $5 bill to put in the collection plate. So he walked it up, put it in. And then after the services, it was time for us to go and eat because we would eat McDonald's, restaurant food, whatever, because we were in the shelter. Um, and she realized that she had given him a $20 bill instead of a $5 bill. So she walked up. Mm -hmm. We walked up with her. We were her three little ducklings. We walked up with her. 
and they <clears throat> accuse her of lying. Um, I knew that that was our food to eat that day. And it was like, okay, I'm eight years old, whatever. I knew that that, that would uh, make it so that we could get less than what we were originally going to give. I knew she wasn't lying. They accused her of lying. They would not give it away. I couldn't believe, you know, church people would do something like that. Sure. A couple of days later, I had a vision. My The first vision I could remember, um, I was walking down um, an aisle at a church. I could remember the, the seats were maroon and the carpet was maroon. I could remember all of that. And, and I was a little kid walking down the aisle. And when I got up to the front, people didn't believe God was real. I could feel it. And when I got up to the front at the altar, he lifted me up. And everybody started believing that God was real. So as I got older, I realized that was elevation. He elevated me. But as a little kid, I'm like, he lifted me up. And everybody started believing that he was real. At that point, I knew that eventually that was going to happen. And that was one of my goals is to show people that God is real and show people how to treat, how to treat other people. And, you know, you can't judge. You don't know what a person is going through and, and that God is real. And so now that's what, you know, everything is based off that, that vision that he gave me at eight, elevating me and in the process, only to show that he is real. Wow. I just heard a story this weekend in Tennessee, and I went to visit some friends. And apparently, Billy Graham, when he was uh, very popular, Apparently he he wanted to go out and his security detail said no like you can't do that you're you're Billy Graham and he said no I need to do it and they go okay you have to wear a wig you have to wear a hat you have to wear some fancy eyebrows and all this right. stuff so they said okay now you can go out so he goes out and he meets this guy um a homeless person comes up to him and he's talking to him and he goes hey I just want you to know Jesus loves you and he goes oh yeah I've tried, I prayed, Jesus never showed up for me, blah, blah, blah. And so Billy Graham goes, um, well, you know, I'm just telling you. And he cites a few verses and chapters and, hey, Jesus loves you. And he goes, listen, here's the deal. I've prayed when many times that Billy Graham would come and actually talk to me. And that's never happened. And so God's not real. And Billy Graham <laughs> takes off his hat, <laughs> takes off his eyebrows. <laughs> And the guy just fell on the ground and just was like, oh my gosh, and was changed forever. So like that, when you hear those stories, apparently Joel Osteen tells that story probably better than me, but what an, it just gives me goosebumps to think about when you're walking down a couple days after the experience you had where church people aren't supposed to behave that way, but church people are, are also people and, and they can behave badly too, right? It turns out. But the fact that you were elevated, man, that's so neat. It's just, it's such powerful and, and you lived it. The other thing that happened, my son experienced second, third degree burns on his face and hands in February. And we witnessed a miracle. So just like your elevation experience, he, we prayed and prayed. Thousands of people were praying for him because I posted it on LinkedIn and everybody was saying, we got you. And it went from bad to worse. But by the time they wrapped off the gauze, like you thought his nose was going to fall off a week ago. And then by the time it was done, perfectly normal, oh my gosh. his face. And it's like, whoa, when, when you're that close to the actual miracle, it, it, what, what I find is the devil uses something called drift. The further we get away from it, right, the, the easier it is to forget. And it's, and it's important that, that we hear these kinds of stories that you just told so that we can say, no, God is real. He's here. He's among us. And uh, what, a, what an amazing testimony. So what about faith? Um, if you were de to define faith, 
how would you define it? And then, and then what role does that play in your life? Oh my gosh. Faith is just believing when it doesn't look like what you think it is. Um, that experience gave me a lot of faith, even when I didn't think it would. Like, like as a teenager, when I would ask God to let me not see because I just want to be happy for like a moment. I, I don't want to know. I don't want to see. Um, and in those times, you know, in and out of the foster care system and things like that, e- even during this business and just life period, Faith is believing when you don't see it. Hmm. For me, you go through those bouts where you're like, God, it's not true. It's not real. It's not going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, and then why would I have to wait seven years for it to happen? I'm going through this right now. Like, fix me and help me, like, right now. (laughs) I don't care about tomorrow because I'm going through it now. I've been back and forth with those type of thoughts and I want people to know like you don't just because you feel that way that doesn't God doesn't take that against you or say oh you got to get a bad check mark because you did that or it's not going to happen because you did that I really stand on the fact that his words are going to do what they're going to set out to do if he said it it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. And I'm still be alive when it happened because when he said it, I was still alive. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> it's yes. going to happen. Well, my favorite, uh, Psalms 27 is one of my favorites. And there's a story behind that, but we're going to get to that. But one of the scriptures that I quote uh, to of the scriptures in Psalm 27. It's only 17 uh, verses. But uh, 27, 13, I would have fainted had I not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord, I tell you, wait on the Lord. So I'm like, okay. If that scripture, I would have fainted had I not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Don't get me wrong. I'm trying to sit by, you know, I'm trying to get to heaven. Everybody it should be. However, he promised us abundance uh, here. That gets me back up on my feet, gets me thinking the right way when I remember or the, the spirit brings that scripture to my mind. I would have fainted had I not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Then I'm, I'm right back boosted up. Bed, energy is 110 again, and I'm, I'm good to go. Wow. Well, I tell you what, I, this is my shirt that a friend of mine, Daryl, sent me recently. And, and so I've got a, a hoodie one and I've got some other. So I'm wearing it in downtown Nashville. And I was like, huh, I wonder how this is going to go over, right? Because it's every, everybody matters individually. Right. And so I'm walking down the street and, and, and people kind of give you a nod and they're like, yeah. And they just, they, they look at you like, oh, wow, that's neat. And people will come up, tap you on the shoulder and go, hey, really like your hoodie, really like your shirt. The coolest one, we were walking back from the main Broadway to our hotel and it's about a half mile away. We're walking up the street and this guy comes walking by and, um, and he, he was like, I, I don't know how to put it. Some people might say, Hmm, is that guy going to like, is he, am I okay with that guy walking past me? Right. And I'm like, and, and, uh, and he's on the phone and he's, and he goes, Hey, Hey guys, don't worry. I'm just trying to get to my bus. And so he felt, he felt it in the air, which was, don't worry. I'm cool. Right. And and I felt everyone's cool. Well, then the coolest part happened 20 feet ahead. He turns around. He goes, hey, bro, I love your shirt. And I point to him. I go, you matter. And he looks back to me and he goes, no, you matter. And so it was like a fight to say who matters. And it's like we both matter in this world. And I was like, it just felt like the puzzle pieces were so brilliantly mapped together on the board. Right. And I was like, wow. And so it just 
time after time after time. My friend Daryl was supposed to play in the NFL, and then he didn't. And this was maybe 10 years ago. He hurt his back. And so all of his dreams and aspirations were shot. And he lost 60 pounds. He goes into a psych ward. And then he prayed. He said, God, if you're real, I just don't know if you're real. But if you're real, give me a sign. You know, and I think a lot of us do that from time to time. And it's amazing the signs that occur almost immediately after. Because this woman comes from all the way in a different part of the psych ward and knocks on his door and said, hey, I don't know why I'm here. I don't even work in your wing. But God told me to come say hi to you and and tell you Jesus loves you. Oh, my God. And so he's like, wait a second. And then his Nana flew in from out of town, knocked on the door immediately after the woman left and said, hey, I don't like to be on airplanes, but I'm here. And Jesus told me I need to come tell you that Jesus loves you. Oh, my gosh. Everything awesome. changed, just like the Billy Graham story, just like your elevation story. Oh, it's just it's so neat. So he sent me. He sent me this shirt. Uh, there's a book that's written called You Matter. It's a kid's book, and it's in Target. It's so good because you just, I mean, just, just, it's just so good. We're all, we all have an individual fingerprint. We're, we're like a snow. There's only one snowflake of all time in eternity. There'll never be another Lashandra. There'll never be another Chad that's perfectly, precisely the same. So our role and our assignment matters like beyond what you can even think about. Yes. So very cool. Well, if someone wants to get a hold of you, Lashandra, and and share a little bit about what what your mission is in this season of your life, because maybe there's somebody listening, and I think there's two things that would be important. One, we talked about foster care, and so I'm sure you had pluses and minuses in the columns of foster care, but if someone's thinking of adopting or being part of foster care, what would you say to that person? Because I'm sure there was some silver lining in there where you're like, without that, you wouldn't be where you are today. So maybe share a little bit about foster care and then what's your mission and how can people get a hold of you? Okay, so I, I became a licensed foster parent in the state of Wisconsin. Um, I would say, you know, it, if God put it in your heart, don't do it for any other reason. Than God putting it in your heart. You don't do it for money. Don't do it because you know you're lonely or any or things like that. Because children, they're 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 sponges, and we all matter. That you matter. We all have uh, a job to do on this earth. And so, if God put it in your heart to become a foster parent, then do that, please. If he put it in your heart to adopt, then do that, but don't do it for any other reason, because then it's going to become burdensome, period. But God promised us that he would give us strength. He would be our strength when we are weak. And so you're going to need, you're going to get weak. At parenting, you get weak. I had my first daughter, well, my only daughter at 14. You're going to get weak in that. But those children, they've they've already they've already went through trauma, so don't spoil them. Don't don't spoil what they are supposed to be or what God has already put in their heart. Uh, that's just so important to me. I I went mm. I was in uh, possibly five different homes, uh, an orphanage. As a child um, with three different uh, family members, don't, it's already hard, you guys. Do it if God puts it in your heart to do it. Don't do it if you feel forced to do it. Don't do it for money. Don't do it for anything other than God saying, do this. Mm, that's great advice. And, and yeah. My best friend was adopted and his. It's interesting because having a best friend who's adopted, you you learn things together over the years. And I used to think real mom versus adopted mom. Well, now I've understood, no, no, there's a thing called the birth mom. And then real mom is whoever your real mom is, meaning his adopted mom is his real mom. Like she took him in and loved him. 
And as a result, I became best friends with him. And he's now an actor in Hollywood. And he's just, he's an amazing person. And it's because of Ginny and Dwayne, his parents, right? right. And he, so that was, that was a key lesson learned there. Um, I mean, God adopts us into his family and, and, uh, exactly. (laughs) I mean, that's a, it'd be that, uh, you, you could say that's one of the precursors of, um, accepting that, accepting how God adopts us into their family. We're all adopted. (laughs) We're all adopted, you know, right now. So, yeah, it's, it's just important that this is something that God told you to do. No other reason. No other reason will work. No other reason, you know, will be seamless. If you do it, it's not going to be seamless. But if God promised that he will take care of you, especially if you're on the path that he put you on, then he's going to do that. He, he never yeah, fails at right. his promise. So talk to us about the apartment lady. What what are you helping people do? And then after that, you said you're kind of in a season and your your next step is something. So tell us what's today and what's just around the bend. All right. So when everybody thinks of the apartment lady, they're like, okay, she's, she's about apartments. Um, the apartment lady honestly has four, four pillars. The first pillar is um, eviction prevention, second chance rental, and that's the foundation. The foundation is a 501c3 organization. We've been around for seven years. We do eviction prevention and second chance rental for seven years all over the United States. But our program um, is all about education. So um, our members have to take tennis rights classes, They have to get an intro to financial literacy, and that's our budgeting classes. And any other class, a third class that we think that that particular family needs, right? Uh, We will fight an eviction for you through mediation, or if it takes a lawyer, we'll do that, you know, as well. But then our second chance rental program has always been our biggest program, and that's where we help people with previous evictions, judgments, bankruptcies, convictions, bad credit, first-time renters. That's pretty much high-risk renters. We help them through uh, that um, apartment um, process, that rental process, by building relationships with landlords or um, helping them get all of their paperwork in order so that they could present um, an application that will get them the yes. Our motto is we get you the yes. Same thing. They have to take the classes and so forth because we realize that a lot of, well, nobody tells people before you rent your first apartment, you better get your tenants rights class. And then these evictions happen because the landlords and the, or the, nor the tenant know about the rental laws. And so we're like, dedicated to educating uh, our members on that. The the second pillar for Apartment Housing Rentals Foundation is called elevation because once we get you stable, you need to be stable. Once we get you stable, then we want to move into elevating you. So now we're the helping hand. We got you on stable ground, out of the hole. Gave you some time to get there and uh, become comfortable on that level, but you, it's always level to level. I mean, the revelation of God is from level to level, faith to faith. And so that's the process that I take. Then we want to get you into home ownership. But in order to get you into home ownership, it's all about education, uh, workforce development, because minimum wage, a lot of our clients, uh, members, are they, they're doing minimum wage. But then minimum wage is not a living wage. So now we want to educate you about, you know, the different classes of um, income. Now, because when living wage and minimum wage was created, it, it was mainly two family households at that time. And so in order to have a living wage, you need two incomes of minimum wages. So we want to elevate you and get you on that path. You're still in your apartment. However, we're helping you with your uh, learning 
credit and things of that nature so that we can move you into home ownership. And then as wealth management, we want to start helping you to create that generational wealth that's missing in black and brown and impoverished neighborhoods. But now we've given you all the tools in the first two pillars um, for you to understand what generate what wealth means. And then we do the community reinvestment. That's where we are buying properties, uh, helping our clients uh, become owners in our properties and helping our clients become members, real members of a neighborhood or a society by teaching them what their legislators are supposed to do, why certain, why certain neighborhoods have um, light posts that are out and other neighborhoods don't. So now our clients are an efficient member of their neighborhood. They're adding to the taxes or the TIF money and things like that so that they can uh, build in their neighborhood. I'm just tired of people. When I was a, a younger and I took my daughter out for um, her birthdays or a party or anything like that, we will have to go to somebody else's neighborhood. That's somebody else's neighborhood. Somebody lived there. We would go out to the Chuck E. Cheese or so forth in somebody else's neighborhood. So we're spending all our money in somebody else's neighborhood just to have mm. a good time. Mm. I want, if I educate, if when we're educating the people through those steps of pillars, those four pillars, then now you can become a member of your neighborhood that's a valuable member. And then you maybe you won't put garbage on the streets because you're happy with what's going on in your neighborhood. And so you'll start keeping your neighborhood clean so that you can get a Chuck E. Cheese or, you know, uh, one of these playgrounds or whatever uh, the play stores that the children like to go with. You can get one of those stores in your neighborhood so that your children or your grandchildren, if that's the case, can actually have a birthday party in your own neighborhood and keep that money in your neighborhood. So it's a process, but every what isn't a process? Yeah, wow, that's so neat. I really applaud you for what you're doing for humanity. It's so important. Um, one of the folks I'm working with, his name is Jarvis Guthrie, okay. and he is taking over his dad's farm. His dad passed away in 2019. Wow. So he's he has this 32-acre farm, but there's 60 acres in total. Wow. And he went to the prison system in 2012 for making one wrong decision and spent some time wow. there. And now he Jesus found him in the prison. And now he's ministering to people who are in jail and, are, and need help with reentry. So I think there's a neat partnership that could happen here. He's starting with four people and they're going to build the farming on the system. They're going to do all that. Then he's got an acre zone for residential. So he'll end up building a bunch of tiny homes. Oh. He'll bring in Chuck E. Cheese and those kind of things. And this is in Florida. It's in uh, Flora Home, Florida. It's a mile and a half off the main road, and it looks like pure heaven. When you drive down that road, you get there, and imagine getting out of jail or a bad situation and showing up on heaven on earth. I know. And Jarvis is just like the most brilliant, magical human being on planet earth that just shows everything that Jesus would want him to do, he does. And you're like, how is this possible? So I was there a month ago, and I... I don't wear my Rolex anymore because it's just irrelevant. It's like trying to be a king and I'm not a king. There's only one of those. And so I literally wore it and I'm like, okay, God, I don't know why I'm wearing this. I'm not trying to show off or anything. And then I go to his farm and there's about 30 people under tents and they're doing, it's a fundraiser. And, and I'm like, I knew God was going to have me give it to someone someday. I almost put it in the offering at a, at a um, church before at like at elevation church is where we used elevation. to go in Charlotte. Funny enough. <laughs> There's that elevation right. again. And I, there was a few times where I'm like, should I just walk down and do it? But no, that would have been about me. Like trying to show off like here, I gave my watch to elevation. Well, I'm on the farm and we're praising together black, brown, white, and all of us singing hymns under a 
the rain had just broke because God allowed it and it was supposed to rain all day. There was a foot and a half of standing water on the road to get there. And it, but it was the most magical thing. And at the end, I just said, Hey, there were three good speakers. And I said, Hey, real quick, do you mind if I come up? And I was like, look, this man right here is going to change eternity for several people. And I was like, I got this when I was 30 and it was something I always strive for. And I realized there's only one king. And I go, I'm giving, I'm going to sell this watch. I'm going to donate the proceeds to the farm. And it was just, oh, people were just like, wow, what just happened? Including me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But uh, I love what you're doing. And I think that partnering with you in these areas to get people to go through your courses, because you've already done the heavy lifting. So we don't need to reinvent that wheel. Let's plug this into Jarvis and other places as we expand this out across the United States. Oh, that would be amazing because, uh, like you said, it, I invented God. God invented the will because, mind you, I'm a professor. I'm a fellow professor. I'm a social media marketer. Uh, we talked about this uh, earlier. I'm not even a real estate agent, <laughs> which now I'm kind of ashamed to say. But, you know, I, I've been doing so much research um, as far as affordable housing, public housing, housing market, evictions, this, that, another. I really need to know the real estate um, information because I place people with evictions and convictions. And my real estate leasing buddies and real estate brokers and agents, they're like, how did you how do you place these people? They can't even place them. God, give me the energy and that superpower to do it. But before we go, I just want to, I do want to connect. Um, I Let me let me finish my thought because I have so many thoughts and I have so little time. <laughs> um, okay, so yes, I don't step in other people's lanes, okay? I'm not trying to learn more than what God is having me learn. And God always... He built us. He created us to need each other. He all, I mean, there's a scripture that says, you know, when two or more come together, he is there. Uh, woe to the man that um, is cold and, and they, they have to lay alone because when it's two, they could warm each other or a twofold, threefold cord is stronger. And so, yeah, now I'm in that collaboration, partnership. Hey, your your organization do tennis rights classes? I have sent everybody from Apartment Housing Rentals Foundation to you. Oh, you do financial budget, financial literacy? I will send everyone from Apartment Housing Rentals Foundation to you. Um, because I, being a nonprofit leader, and I didn't know anything about nonprofits, but I realized that the hardest thing nonprofits have, um, have going on is getting people to actually go through their programs. That has not been a case for Apartment Housing Rentals Foundation ever since we started it. And as a matter of fact, it is Apartment Housing Rentals Foundation. The members um, and people created the apartment lady because they would always say, are you the apartment lady? Can I get the apartment lady on Facebook? Oh, every, everywhere was, where is the apartment lady? Okay, here she is. Thank you. So they powered the apartment lady. The next cool thing that we're doing is I also have a ministry in India. And so you say, what am I going to do? What am I doing going forward? One of the things is getting a real estate license really soon. Um, the other thing is I have a ministry in India. Um, I've been a, a elder in this ministry for 10 years, Kakanata, India. I, uh, con- I connected with SDI Architect and, from Boston. And now we are building a school in India. So now we're at the funding portion of our project. That school is Kakanata Academy, and it's a school without borders, school without walls. So we're so excited about that. You mentioned another cool project. You mentioned hoodies, and I partnered with Graduate Apparel, which is um, the owner of Graduate Apparel is Corey Blunt. He's a ex- uh, NBA player? Yeah, because I have a problem with those <laughs> acronyms for sports. I'm not a sports person. Yeah. He's an ex-Chicago Bulls player and Lakers player. He played around uh, uh, Michael Jordan era. So he played for Chicago Bulls for five years, Lakers for about four years. He created Graduate Apparel. And so now we're doing a new project together, and it's the graduation hoodie. 
And what that graduation hoodie is, it's going to, we're trying to take away the, the, the connotation or uh, stop people from thinking of hoodies as negative mm-hmm. and black and brown yeah. and impoverished neighborhoods. And so we partner with V School, which is a vocational school in Utah, out of Utah. And V School is going to give all of their graduates the graduation hoodie. Um, wow. And uh, Apartment Housing Rentals Foundation will give their certificate holders because our eviction prevention or uh, tennis rights class, we get we give certificates out. So all of our certificate holders will get the graduation hoodie. And the whole goal is to get as many logos on that hoodie as possible so that when the students get this or the participants get this hoodie, they'll see all of the people that has represented them or pushed them on or celebrated them on their hoodie. Right. It's like a sponsor on a race car. And look, car it's concept. a NASCAR hoodie. That's, that is so cool. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm writing a kid book right now with, uh, there's a guy, Timmy Bauer. He helped me write the last kid's book and now he's helping me write the new one. It's called be your true colors, plural colors. Yeah. And at the, at the end, it's like red, yellow, green, blue. And when you, and it's fish swimming down a stream and it's like, Hey, we're going that way. What are you doing? And one guy's like, or girl, right? Which one fish is going upstream. And it's like, no, no, come this way, look. And then they turn their true colors when they go against oh all of, God. you know, they go their own That's way, so awesome. basically. And so I can envision at the end, it's going to ask like, hey, which colors are you? Which fish are you? Because there's like a mean fish, a nice right. fish, all these different kinds of fish. Which fish are you? And then which colors are you? And it'll say like, if you look it up, red represents a certain thing and yellow is maybe love and all the different 12 or 15 different colors, they'll be able to go when you're reading it with your parent to a kid, it's like, Hey, which colors do you make, make up you? And they'll be like, well, this one, because I love my little brother and this one because of this and this one because of that. And then they'll get to paint their own colored fish. And so when I think of your hoodie, I almost think like, Man, that that bright, vibrant, like I love the logos. It, it would be also cool to have just a whole different batch of colors on it, you know? Like that'd be so oh neat. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, oh, you know what? You yeah. just answered a question that we had in a meeting about those hoodies. We were trying to figure out what color should we do? And I'm like, well, I want black because the black hoodies is are, you know. People that's wearing black hoodies in certain neighborhoods, they get harassed and I want black. And they're like, everybody else is like, well, I want this color. I want that color. And so you just kind of. It's that. the whole colors. Now, it, it can't be like my wife has this thing like, well, you know, LGBT, you don't want like you don't want to represent a community necessarily. And so how do you figure out? It's not like the rainbow set up. Cause that's already taken, but making it your own where it's, I, I don't know if it's blocks or circles or, you know, something that's just so just vibrant it, to me, it just needs to like jump off the page you know, where it's like, look at me, right? Well, I'm, I'm showing you. Look, that's my <laughs> selling point. That is my selling point. All of those different logos are going to be colorful. <laughs> I want a McDonald's logo. I want Walmart logo. I want your logo. Yes, (laughs) I love this. And then we could, we don't, we don't um, say it has to be black. We give them an opportunity to choose. So we give them about 10 different color schemes and they can choose what their hoodie, the color. So now you just gave, you just solved the problem for me. So Answer uh, prayers. I'm trying to tell you, you guys got answer prayers. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you when you pay attention and you pray, and then it is amazing. Usually, very quickly, he comes and gives you the answer. Yep. It's it's uh, it's usually on us. We're just not listening for the answer. Very <laughs> so. quickly, I promise you. Very quickly. Uh, well, Lashandra, really amazing getting to know you today. Uh, 
congratulations on all of your success. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, is the best way to go to your website or how would the best way to get a hold of you? Go to the website. I mean, uh, it's really easy. Uh, theapartmentlady.com, theapartmentlady.org, www.theapartmentlady. And when you click contact us, you'll be able to say what it is that you want um, to contact me for. Now, if you're a person that's in need of second chance rental, eviction prevention, it doesn't matter what state you're in, you can definitely go to the website and click become a member. And once you get to that application, it's a mobile application. So you can do it on your phone or your computer, sign all the permissions on your phone and computer, upload, take a picture of the required documents and so forth. Really, really easy. Just click become a member and then you'll be able to choose the program that you want. Now, if you want to do a financial donation, contact me. Um, if you want to partner with any other programs, click contact me. You know, it's guess what? It's real simple. The hoodie's coming soon. So put your logo on the hoodie. Look, <laughs> if you don't want to go through the website, www.theapartmentlady.org and you want to put uh and remember something that may be a little, I want to say longer than theapartmentlady.org, then you can go to Graves at theapartmentlady.org and send a direct email. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining Living a Better Story podcast. Really a pleasure. And uh, I can't wait to continue the journey. And I'm sure we'll be working together in a number of different ways here in the not traditional future. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining Living Better Story podcast. We'll catch you next time. God's peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Living a Better Story. We hope that today's show has inspired you to cultivate a better understanding of yourself so you can discover your God-given purpose and start living a better story. For the show notes, visit livingabetterstory.org forward slash podcast, where you can also find other helpful resources connect with us and join us again next time for another purposeful show.